0: First of all, man, how, how, who here got healed last week or had an encounter with Jesus last week of what Cam was talking about? You came forward for prayer, and you got touched by the Lord. Just raise your hand. Yeah, don't be afraid. Awesome. Come on, Jesus. I see you guys in the back. You know, it's, it, it's really amazing what God has been doing, uh, this momentum that we feel like he's building and releasing in our midst. And how many of you know, you know, God sends a fire, but the priests keep it burning, it, it, is there is something that we just need to respond to when we see that stuff. It's not like, oh, good, yeah, we're, we're, we're in a charismatic church, you know? you know. I mean, there's something inside of me that I need to position myself to recognize it and to begin to really celebrate it so that we do see increase. You know, we're not happy with a few people getting healed. We're not. We're, we're happy when the, manif- the manifest presence of God is dwelling among us on a regular basis. That we do church so that God stays. You know, we're not here to gather together because we should. We gather together because we get to, because God seems to come. How many of you how many of you know this that that, that community, you know, you are not built to do life in the kingdom and relationship with God on your own? Like you're not built for it. Some of you are trying to some of you are trying to to, to prove that wrong. But you're not. You will come to a place that you, you need to be connected. You need community. You need what the Bible will call fellowship. You need a place of, of, of common strength. How many of you know one will take a thousand, two will take how many? 10,000. And there's something really important about the fact that when we come together in community, it actually attracts Holy Spirit. It actually attracts Holy Spirit. That when we come together in community like this, like it attracts Holy Spirit. Do you guys remember in the book of Acts, what happened when, when they came together? It was, it was in the book of Acts, when they came together, that the outpouring of God came. More than once. That, that, that community is such an important part of revival. It's such an important part of, of, of seeing breakthroughs that look like more than yesterday. So I, I want to talk today about your birthright to more. And, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time. I really want to spend more time today celebrating what God is doing. So do you guys want to hear some testimonies, some more? So who was here for uh, Todd Bentley a few weeks ago? Or gosh, that was a little bit more than a few weeks ago now. So, so Todd Bentley, we had him here. Uh, we did a conference with him. We love Todd. He makes us just so hungry for Jesus. And he is Jehu, you know, that's what we call him. Uh, he's just a wild man. He, he's an absolute wild man. He's all got lots of tattoos, a great big beard, and, uh, is just going for Jesus, and every time that we're around him, man, there's just something that that, that I get excited about. How many of you found that, like, a, ma- a man or woman of God who's walking in anointing, you get around him, you listen to him, and something in you comes alive? And so Todd was here a few weeks ago, and um, some of you may remember this, uh, maybe not, but he had a word of knowledge um, about a, a, a bad pregnancy going on, and there was a woman who responded um, that it was... Um, it was uh, twins that were in the same sack, and basically the doctor said that th- this is the pregnancy is, is going gonna, is, is gonna to go south, like th- they're not going to survive. You guys remember that? Anyone remember that? I'm just curious. Like, are you with me? Okay, cool. So there's a handful of you guys. So we just got a report this week that uh, mom gave birth to healthy kids at 34 weeks. They're in they're, they're a nationwide hospital doing great. Come on, Jesus. We got another report. This is, these, the things that I'm telling you are in the last 7 to 10 days. Uh, we got another report of cervical cancer healed that, that it was a friend of one of our staff members who doesn't know the Lord, um, uh, got prayer and uh, went back, she, she had cervical cancer, went back to the doctors, got retested. They can't find any cancer. Come on, Jesus. There was another, another woman uh, had a thyroid issue, uh, who had uh, thyroid cancer, um, got prayer, got retested. This is all in the last week. Comes back, no cancer. There was another woman who had uterine cancer. You want to how do you think it went? Come on, Jesus. She got healed, totally cancer-free. This is all in the last seven to ten days. How many of you know what God will do for one, he will do for another? That he is so good. You know, I was reading the scripture this morning, uh, Luke 14. It was just this passage in scripture that, you know, it's really easy to, it's, it's really fun to celebrate, like, the big cancer ones. Like, it's just so much fun. It's, it just never gets old. And, and, but in Luke 14, it says that Jesus was with uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law. And um, this passage just really, I feel like I bumped into it today. I didn't even want to talk about it. But th- this, it says that he was reclining. He was with the Pharisees and teachers of the law. And, you know, this is a situation where, like, you know, Jesus is about to tell a story about how they're all completely incorrect, you know, about, like, their theology. And he's sitting there. Before he gets to it, it says that there was a man there that was prone to swelling and inflammation. And so he turned to the Pharisees and said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He just used it as a nice teaching opportunity for, 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 for some Pharisees and teachers of the law. And they didn't say anything, but so he healed the man. If you're here this morning and you have chronic inflammation, stand up. If you have swelling, chronic inflammation, it's just something you deal with. Like, guys, like, God wants to heal the inflammation and the cancer. He like, do you, Amen? Like, like, God wants to heal beyond what we're willing to put up with, and sometimes uh, something like this just feels like it's such a daily thing that we often don't just get prayer for it. And so, yeah, so, so just stretch out your hands. If you're around them, just go ahead. You guys get up. Come on. Just go ahead and, and, and reach out and put your hand on their shoulder. And remember, he, what he will do for one, he will do for another. And so right now, we just say, Holy Spirit, thank you. We just release the healing word of the Lord that you, that you heal inflammation. You heal swelling. That, God, that there is nothing, no chronic sickness, discomfort, or disease that you will not heal. So right now, we just break off that inflammation. We break off that chronic swelling in Jesus' name. And we say, body be healed right now. We release the healing word of the Lord over you. Today, it breaks. It breaks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, Jesus. How many of you love that Jesus is into the small things of our lives? The things that feel maybe like, you know, I'm, my life isn't perfect, but like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have stage four cancer. Like, Jesus is into the small things of our life and of our heart. Aren't you guys grateful for that? Like, I'm grateful for that. I mean, I need Jesus in the small things of my life. I need him in the big things and the small things. I need Jesus. I really need Jesus. Anyone with me? Who else needs Jesus? He is just so good. I recently was able to, uh, I was gone for a week. I was able to go to India, and um, I I was a a guest speaker for a week at a ministry school there, and just had an amazing time. Do you guys want to hear just one or two stories from it? Just really had a great time in the Lord, and um, it's a ministry school. It's the first ever school of supernatural ministry for this global um, missionary sending organization. Uh, and it's, they're, they're like doing it for the first time. And they're doing a three-month uh, uh, full-time school for um, kind of like missionaries who want to grow in the supernatural. And so keep in mind, this is, a, this is like a missions uh, organization that has never done anything like this. Like the supernatural stuff has always been something they like, but they, they've never trained and equipped in it. Does that make sense? And so, uh, so I got a chance to go there, and one of our graduates from our ministry school here uh, is actually the one leading it and starting it and doing it all. And so they, they, they graduated from our school and just had a uh, real life-changing, transformational time uh, with us and really felt like they needed to, to start this in another country. And so, so it's the first time it's going on, and uh, they have students that have traveled by motorcycle for five days just to get there. I mean, it is amazing. Yeah, that what you're feeling right now is conviction. And so that's okay. You know, they have, they have students from, from all parts, a lot of different countries uh, in that part of the world, from Nepal to South India to North India to, to um, some, some neighboring, neighboring countries. And man, they are just so hungry for Jesus. You know, they are just so, so hungry for Jesus. And uh, being there was just a real treat, and we're able to equip and and minister, and uh, we just had a really fun time. We were able to go out, and we do outreach, and we're leading people to the Lord, and getting them healed, saved, delivered, and uh, it's just just a real privilege to see what God's doing in all all other parts of the world. You know, sometimes going on a mission trip, going outside of the country, really gives us perspective that we're lacking in our day-to-day. And uh, it's just really, really amazing what God's doing. And so I, I want to encourage you and thank you for setting a culture here that we're able to help export around the world. It's absolutely amazing. And uh, our leaders, Jim and Mary Baker, they're the ones that have really set a standard high for us as a church. And so how many of you guys are grateful for the Bakers? They're awesome. And so so we had a, just a really great time in the presence of the Lord. I was probably involved in one of the... One of the most outrageous meetings that I've ever been in personally and it was just one of those wild times where Holy Spirit was just misbehaving just just people were just having major levels of healing and encounters uh, that that's one of those environments that we've experienced here many times that's just so hard to describe um, but I tell you what you know in going to different parts of the world and and, and being able to um, I've been able to to preach the gospel and uh, Indonesia and India and Pakistan and the Middle East and uh, in Africa and in Europe and in, in, in Central America, I tell you what, there's still no place like this church. I mean, really, like, like there is no place like coming home and getting to be a part of an environment like this that's rich with the Holy Spirit. That, how many of you are grateful for a community of people that's rich with the Holy Spirit? And so being there, you know, it really challenged me, and I hope the five-day journey is challenging you. Just remember that conviction is from the Lord. Just receive that deeply. But but being there really, you know, it really challenged me in some ways. And uh, one of the ways that I that I saw over and over again is, is is how much the Holy Spirit kept showing up when these students that are growing and learning and in a foreign place and just going after what Jesus has for them. You know what? You know when the Holy Spirit just kept on overflowing, like like off schedule, you know what I'm talking about? How many like how many have been in a situation where the Holy Spirit comes outside of your schedule? <laughs> over and over again is when 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 these students who are from different parts of, of of the world just really supported and loved on each other. It was amazing. It was amazing that, that Holy Spirit just comes and overflows when we begin to recognize our need for community, our need to be to be connected. And, and there's something about community and the more of God that you that go hand in hand. How many of you found that to be the case? So what I want you to do is just take a moment and um, who is one person in your life that you are thankful for that has has um, how do I say this instigated you to want God more? Does that make sense? Like, who's one person in your life, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a friend or a pastor or just someone in the room, or maybe it's someone that they don't even know the influence that they've had on you, but who is one person in your life that, that, that has, has prompted you to, like, want God more? Does that make sense? So just go ahead, think about that person. You guys probably have that person in mind, and go ahead and just share it with with someone around you. So just partner up, maybe two or three people, and go ahead and share who that person is and and, and why you feel like you became more hungry for God by being around them. So just go ahead. We're going to take a few moments. So go ahead and share with someone around you. All right, I think most people have gone. If you, if you haven't switched yet, congratulations, you are the extrovert, let the introvert speak. So if you haven't switched, just go ahead and give them a chance to share who, who someone was that's really impacted you and, and why you think they impacted you so much. What was it about them? Maybe something about their life, something about the way they carried themselves, maybe something they've told you before. All right, now I know most of you have said Pastor Jim, and he's not here today, so you guys can all tell him that next week. So what I want to do is, as I want to talk about this for, for a few minutes this morning, is those people that, that God puts in our lives that, that arouse us to want heaven more. That 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 we need those people. And I have great news for you. You are that person to someone else, whether you know it or not. That you actually are that person, whether you know it or not. And that's that's okay. It doesn't matter that you really know it. You just need to know that God uses you in the way that catalyzed you. He catalyzes other people through you. That there there's no such thing as an ineffective Christian. There's just an unbelieving ones. Like, okay, let me just, like... You can't hide Jesus as much as you think you can. Everyone at work knows that you love Jesus. They do. You're, you're probably thinking of all the ways that you've been trying to like, witness, and they already know. They already know that you love Jesus. You're maybe, you know, students or coworkers or friends, like, everyone knows that you love Jesus. Can everyone just, like, take a breath and say, oh, that's right, that's good, I mean, like that's good. People already know you love Jesus. Now it's just a matter of partnering with heaven for them to for, to allow them to know Him more. They already know you know Jesus. If you're in this room, you probably know Jesus. If you're not in this room, man, this is an amazing place to come and 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 start a life with God and and and. and to be able to know Jesus more. So I want to talk this morning about two, two people in Scripture and, and, and how we handle what we've been given. So we're going to talk about Elijah and Elisha. And I guarantee you I'm going to mess up those names. It's like the two people in Scripture, their names, it's like Ja and Sha. I'm going to call one Ja-Ja and one Sha-Sha. You know, <laughs> Elijah and Elisha. And so how many of us are familiar with Elijah and Elisha, The story? So, so in the scripture, I'm just going to paraphrase. We're going to read some scripture. Um, so you can open up your Bibles to 2 Kings 2 if you like. But in, in scripture, um, there's this interesting dynamic that happens with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is a prophet of God who's going around and doing, walking in the power of God. And so, so this is during a time where, there, where other prophets are alive, but Elijah is the supreme prophet of his day. He is walking around, he's doing signs and wonders, he's moving in the power of God like I said. And here comes uh, the Lord, you guys remember the story about how, uh, how the Lord uh, spoke to Elijah, not in the fire, not in the wind, not in the storm, but in a still small voice. And do you remember what he told him there? It's actually there in 1 Kings that the Lord told Elijah that I want you to go and find Elisha because he is going to be your successor. It was actually in this still small voice the Lord whispered about about a successor, about someone he wanted to to, to raise up. And so Elijah and Elisha. Now, I'm going to read 2 Kings 2, and then we're going to... We're going to talk about it a little bit. So 2 Kings 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of all the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elijah replied, so be quiet. (laughs) Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elijah and asked him, don't you know that today the Lord is going to take your master from you? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took off his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me... Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking and talking uh, together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw this and cried, my father, my father, the chariots of my horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now now is the Lord of the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. Are you guys with me? And the company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is now resting on Elijah. And they went and met him and bowed down on the ground before him. Then it says, look, they said, we, your servants, have 50 men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down some mountain or some valley. No, Elijah said, do not send them. But they persisted. They went, embarrassed to refuse. So he said, send them. Then they sent the 50 who searched for three days but didn't find him. So this is a story that a lot of us are familiar with, maybe in the church, where you hear something called like a double portion. How many of you have heard that reference before? It's like it's like you hear, like this is where a lot of this in, in, in the charismatic culture comes from, is this, this amazing picture of Elijah and Elisha and a succession that occurred, but a relationship that really birthed a whole new wave of God's presence on the earth. Elijah has 14 recorded miracles in scripture, and Elijah has 28 miracles in scripture. You know, something I think is really important when reading this story is, you know, he asked for a double portion. Do you, do you know what the double portion, do you, like why would he ask for a double portion? Does anyone know? You ask for a double portion because in Deuteronomy 21, verse 17, in the law, it says that the firstborn is due his inheritance a double portion. That he was actually asking for his birthright as as a firstborn. Does this make sense? That he wasn't being greedy. He wasn't trying to say like, "Hey, I, you know, I've seen what you do, but I'm going to do more. Like, I'm just ready for more." It actually was in the law that the firstborn should carry a double portion, should receive a double portion. So he went to his father and said, I want a double portion. When his father asked, what would you like? See, sometimes we we think of that and we're like, oh, when we hear like a son asking a father for a double portion or something, we're like, that is rude, right? Some of us maybe have that bent of like, it feels like he is presumptuous. No, he's actually fulfilling the law. That a double portion was due for him because he followed faithfully. So I, I want to ask you, you know, when, when we're reading through this, there's a few things that really are important to recognize. One, how many times did Elisha have an opportunity to turn back? It looks like three different times Elijah said, I'm going to go to Bethel, I'm going to go to... Gilga, I'm going to go to Jericho. I'm going to go and and every time Elijah said what? I will go with you. That I will go with you. That that he he pursued what was going to come to him and didn't just sit back thinking, well, it's my birthright. It'll just come. That that actually what was available to him, he pursued He didn't just sit back and thinking, like, oh, Elijah knows me. Like, I've been following him for years. Like, he's going to give me what's owed to me. No, no, no. Elisha couldn't help but follow him and pursue what was going to be released over his life. That there's this picture of knowing something's coming and actually acting like you want it. Does this make sense? And, And there's a difference between just sitting back and hoping Holy Spirit just moves and just moves in our lives versus leaning in building up what the Bible will call perseverance, that we continue to pursue, to pursue, to knock, to knock, to receive what was given to us, what has been purchased for us. So I want us to flip the script real quick and turn to Genesis 27. Genesis 27 is a story we need to understand a little bit more about inheritance. Genesis 27 is a story, it's probably one of the most scandalous stories, in my opinion, in the entire Bible. Genesis 27 is a story of, Isaac and Jacob. How many of you have read this story before and you're like, this, just, this story just doesn't sit well with me? It just feels wrong, right? So, the story in, 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 in Genesis 27 is uh, at the end of his life, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the three patriarchs of the faith. Isaac, the son of Abraham, was near the end of his life. And how many of you know that in the Bible, at, see, the reason that Elisha was following Elijah so closely is that at the end of someone's life in the Bible, they're, they're about to release something. They're about to release a blessing. They're about to release something that, that, that you cannot get unless someone dies. So this is the, this is the setting with, with uh, Isaac and Jacob. Now, Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Are you guys with me? Okay, we're going to run through this. Esau and Jacob. Esau was a hairy man. He was a good hunter, and uh, 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 Jacob was not. And Rebekah, their mom, favored Jacob, did not favor Esau. So when Isaac was dying, he could no longer see. So flip open to Genesis 27. He could no longer see, and it was time for him to release his blessing. So 27 verse 20 says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered, Isaac said, I am now old, an old man and do not know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver, your bow, go out to the open country, hum me some game, prepare it the way that I like, and bring it back to me so that I may eat and give my blessing to you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country, Rebekah grabbed her son Jacob and said, look, I have overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare some tasty food. Now, my son, verse 8, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring it to me, um, bring to me two choice young goats so that I can prepare it the way your father likes. And take, your father's, uh, take it to your father so that he may eat and give you his blessing before he dies. Verse 11 Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than on a blessing. How many of you know when you don't know what to do, listen to your mother? His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared them the way that he liked. Uh, then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her, her older son, which he, she had in the house. Verse 16 She also covered his hands and the smooth smart part of his neck with goatskin. Do you guys see the picture? So, so Jacob is being, is being covered. Uh, is, is dressing up as though he is Esau by, by Rebecca And Rebecca is, is, is preparing the food for, for Isaac to eat. So Esau's out in the country. Now Jacob has everything. And he's about to go into the room that Isaac is in so that he can give him the food and receive a blessing. Has anyone else read this before and be like, this does not feel right. Like, this does not feel right. This feels like, God, I don't know. I just don't like it. It feels icky. It feels scandalous. It doesn't feel right. For years, I read it that way. So let's move on. He goes into the room, verse, uh, verse 18. When he went to his father, he said, My father, yes, my son, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up, eat some of my game, that you, have, that you may give me your blessing. Now verse 20, Isaac said to his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, it just gets more scandalous. You're like, no, Jacob. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so that I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, this is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. He said, are you really my son, Esau? He asked, I am. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game that I may eat and give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought him some wine, and he drank. Verse 26, then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he caught the smell of his firstborn, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches, richness. An abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow to you. Be Lord of your brothers. May your, may your sons of your mothers bow to you. May those who curse you be cursed and bless you be blessed. Why are we reading this scandalous picture of inheritance? You know, did you notice that it was when, when Jacob went before Isaac covered in Esau that when he went before him, Esau could only smell the smell of his firstborn. And what happened? He that that smell of his firstborn released blessing. How many of you know when you go to the Father, it's as though the Father smells Jesus on you and he can't help but release blessing. That that when you go to the Father as though you how many of you know, you're covered in Christ. That actually says you have the aroma of, of Christ. That when we go before God, this is a messianic picture, a prophetic picture of what it looks like to walk in grace. Something you didn't deserve, but when you go before God, all he smells is the smell of his firstborn on you. That all he smells is the smell of his firstborn when we approach him. And the inheritance that was given is what? May heaven's due rest on you. What is due? Do is something that lies on the ground. Do is something that, that descends and rests. How many of you know your inheritance is that not the earth's due, but heaven's do would rest on you? That the inheritance of the firstborn, Jesus, has now given to you. And part of that inheritance, in Deuteronomy 21, is that you receive a double portion. So when we walk around, you know, only hoping that, you know, I hope, I hope a few people get, get healed... You know, you have a double portion. You have a double portion of what Jesus deserved. It's on you as a believer that you walk around with a birthright that says double portion of what Jesus deserved, he gave me to carry. Does this make sense? Jesus said something really scandalous. He said that you will do greater works than me. That just sounds like double portion language, right? That sounds like birthright inheritance language. You see, it's not up to your performance. Jacob didn't earn it. That it says that you're clothed with Christ. We, we have to remove ourselves from any ounce of performance to see breakthrough. Because it's not up to your performance, it was up to Jesus' performance. And now we go around carrying a birthright that releases a double portion blessing on the earth. Is anyone else getting excited about what God wants to do through your life? Then when we talk about these healings, we're not, listen, we we celebrate cancer being healed and we steward the testimony, but we want to see more. Why? It's, It's because that's our birthright. That's what Jesus died for. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking to release on the planet, that you are called to release the presence of God in a greater way than Jesus did. I Believe me, it sounds crazy unless Jesus said it, but Jesus said it, right? And so going back to the story of Elijah and Elisha, you know, we need to be able to carry, Elijah knew, Elisha knew about the birthright double portion, and he took him up on the offer. Someone had to die for the inheritance to be released. How many of you know Jesus died so the inheritance would be released? Elisha knew that, that the birthright was up for grabs. And he went and took it. Where the other prophets stood at a distance, he went and took it. How many believers are in the world today that are walking with, like, an inheritance of, like, salvation, but not a double portion of the kingdom? Does that make sense? Did you know Elijah, Elijah, J-A-H, Elijah means power of God, and Elisha means salvation of God? That we get to carry the power of God and the salvation of God. Am I connecting with you guys this morning? That when we begin to walk in our inheritance, you know, we need to be able to walk in what we would call a double portion anointing. Because it's biblical. It's actually irresponsible of us to have low-level beliefs about what God wants to do through our lives. You know, uh, people in your family are going to get healed by you praying for them. Did you know that? You don't have to wait for the, the radical ministry school student from India to show up and lay hands. That you're carrying a double portion of heaven to be released on the earth. And there's something really powerful about, one, coming to agreement with it, and two, being in a group of people, a community of people that are carrying this double portion thing, that are carrying the birthright. You know, with with Elisha, when he grabbed the birthright, when he grabbed the cloak and he took the double portion, you know, he he made sure that he saw. It says that Elijah said, If you see, you'll get what you want. So Elijah, you know, is like making sure that he's gonna see it. And he saw Elijah being taken up. And it says that he grabbed the cloak, the mantle, and he and and, and his double portion began. And it says the fifty prophets who saw him, they recognized that the anointing that was on Elisha, Elijah, is now on Elisha. You know, there's something powerful about being in a group of people that recognize the anointing of God on your life when you even feel like you don't. And I believe that it set Elisha up to move in the double portion of anointing, the double portion inheritance that he received. 28 miracles that he walked in, double what Elijah did. That sometimes we need to be around people who are calling that out of us, amen? One of the best ways to discover community that's going to push you forward into your inheritance is, one, you being the person who calls out other people. We all want other people to come up to us and be like, Sean, I just see this double portion anointing for nations, you know? I'm like, amen. Uh, you know, we all want the, the person to come up to us and be like, I just feel like there's a real anointing for you to bring healing to, to, to children in public schools. And, and I, see a, I see a real anointing in the business area. And I see creativity being released over your life. Like, we all want those things to come up to us, right? If that doesn't get you excited that people would do that, I, I don't know how to help you. Like, that is exciting. <laughs> When God speaks into our lives, if you want to attract that, begin to give it. If you want to attract that, be the person that's calling out the other person. Be, the per- be, be one of the 50 prophets that's calling out the other Elisha. That's, that's calling out, I just see an anointing on your life. I see what God's doing, and I'm so excited for this. I, I, I'm going to be praying that you move into this thing. That we need to be able to have people who are giving that to us, but we need to be people who are giving it in order to attract it. I hear this all the time, you know, is that people have trouble finding community. You know, community, this is, okay, can I just debunk that for a moment? And I'll just say this, is that that community, you will never find a thousand people that are your family. You're going to find like one. You're going to have like one person that's part of a greater group that you connect with. Maybe two, maybe three. And then sometimes it kind of grows into more people. But you're never going to show up and be in total alignment with 100 people, right? I hear people, oh, where's my tribe? No, 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 where's your person? It's not where's your tribe, it's where's your person. And where that person is, your tribe starts. And, and we, we just, as, as, as pastors and leaders, like, we, we talk to people a good bit about this where, you know, it's like they, they'll, you'll come to a church, maybe it's this one, maybe it's another one. And it's like, I'm just really struggling to find community. I'm struggling to find the 100 people that totally agree with me on every subject. It's just so hard. <laughs> I'm struggling to find the 30 people that just totally are hungry for God like I am. It's just, it's just so hard. No, listen, God's already sent probably one or two into your life that are supposed to prompt you like we talked about earlier. And you know what? That turns into a tribe. It, it, it turns into something more. But it doesn't start with 80 people. It doesn't start with 30 people. It usually starts with one. I mean, when when, when Peter was called, you know, Peter, Jesus called out Peter's brother before Peter. And actually gave Peter a test of like, hey, you know... Are you going to believe your brother? So so James goes and gets Peter and he's like you'll never guess like we found we found the Messiah and he brings him back. What that one person that one person with Peter brought him to his tribe. That that the banquet table in the kingdom there's always room for one more. That we need to be people who are calling people into the tribe. We're not calling people to come and agree with 300 people on a Sunday morning with all of our core values. We're calling someone to come in to know the king. We're calling someone to come in to know the tribe. And the nature of the kingdom is at the banquet table, there's always room for one more. There's always room for one more in the kingdom. And it starts with one connection. Maybe two. Sometimes three. If you got like four or five, you're in like level 10 double portion anointing of community. I mean, it, it really starts out of that place, and then, then it grows. And how many of you know, God will move people in and out of your life in different seasons. That doesn't mean we just start being mopey about, like, a oh, community just got so hard. I don't know why it's so hard all of a sudden. It's just so challenging. No, listen, it's to have eyes to see where God is drawing me further into my destiny and where I'm called to help other people go into theirs. And some, sometimes that changes. You know, you're really, I mean, you know, I, I can honestly say this, or, who here has been walking with the Lord for more than 20, 30 years? You've been walking with the Lord. You know, you guys can attest that, you know, there's probably just a few people that make the full journey of your 30 years in God, right? Like, like your spouse, amen, like that's a good one, you know, start there. But, but, but there's maybe one or two other friends that are going to be for that longevity piece, maybe three or four. You know, some of you are like, you have low-level low beliefs about your community. No, it's like, it's like they come in and out. And we have to recognize who that one or two people are that God is drawing us into our tribe. Why? Because that person, that place, is where we're going to be called to be equipped, to be trained, and to hunger for that double portion anointing, that double portion of our inheritance that we're called to carry. I'm speaking really fast. Does this make sense? So I have some really good news for you. You know, Elisha had three times he could have turned back and didn't. Elisha is this example of pressing through to getting the promise, to taking, laying hands, to taking hold of the promise. Peter didn't do that so well. Do you guys remember how Peter handled his testing? Three times he denied Jesus. Three times a little girl, a really intimidating, you know, little girl comes up to Peter and is like, didn't I see you? And she's like, no, get away from me. And I'm, No, I'm just here by the fire warming up. This is in John 20 and 21. And then two more people come over and say, weren't you with that man? I, you know, a relative of the guy that you cut off his ear, wasn't that you? And he's like, no, I never knew him. Three times Peter denies Jesus. Peter doesn't walk out what Elisha did. But I have some really good news for you. What did Jesus do? Jesus came back and restored him three times. Jesus came back and sat with Peter and said, will you feed my sheep? Do you love me? Yes, will you feed my sheep? Do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I told you I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Jesus, I'm getting offended. Yes. Then feed my sheep. I have news for you. If you feel like, you know, you had a call of God on your life and you feel like you got sideways or derailed, God God is not just your Savior, he's your Redeemer. That he can redeem you and put you into the place of moving in that double portion of your inheritance that you've always been built for. That, that, that we have a God who's our redemptive God. That we're not, listen, we're not the elite of the Lord in the room. We're the redeemed of the Lord in the room. And so if your journey has taken you to a place that feels like it derailed from a place of calling, and maybe once you had that hunger, or once you were walking in that way, and maybe something occurred that derailed you, Jesus is here today to restore you back into that place. He's here right now to restore you back into that place. So, what I want to do is if that's you, if you feel like, hey, I, want, I got derailed with Jesus in my life, and I want to get right back on the rails with him again, and I want to walk and move in with some of this promise that we're talking about today. If that's you, and if you say, I just want that place again in my life, and maybe maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you need to, need to recommit. You're like, today is the day that I'm going to get back on track with God, and I'm going to walk in the promises that, he's, he, that he is releasing over my life or wants to. So if that's you, I want you to just stand up right now. So it could be someone you're saying, hey, like I want to give my life to Jesus, or, or, or I want to get realigned with Jesus in my life. Amen. Come on, just, just pop to your feet. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. If you feel like today is a day that I want to say yes to Jesus, that I'm going to make him Lord over my life, I want him to be my redeemer from my broken life that, that has occurred. I want you to just stand up right now. J- just stand up. I'm just going to give this another moment. And you're saying, I'm going to invite Jesus in, and I'm going to start walking with him in his, this inheritance and this promise. Thank you, Lord. There's about six, seven people standing around the room right now. So if anyone else wants to stand, just go ahead and pop to your feet. And uh, you guys standing, just go ahead and close your eyes right now. And I want you to just imagine, thank you, Jesus. I want you to just imagine a door on your heart that you are giving Jesus the keys back to. I want you to just picture a door that's on your heart And in your hand are keys. And you're handing those keys back to Jesus. And so in your own words, I want you to just pray, Jesus, come and take the keys to my heart again. I give you full access. God, I thank you for your forgiveness and mercy over my life. And today, Lord, I receive your forgiveness for me. God, today I receive your salvation, that gift of salvation, God, that you freely offer because of what you purchased. Lord, to the best of my ability, I lay down my life right now, and I say, Jesus, come and take it all. I say, Jesus, come and redeem and restore every place, God. I give you my life again, Lord. I give you fully, Lord, all of me, that I may have all of you. So, Lord, today, I want you to just imagine that door to your heart that you gave him the keys to is just opening up wide, and in your own words, I want you to just say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, come in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that today I get to live a new way with you. And my future is in your hands, God. And I thank you for the gift of eternal life, Lord, and the promise that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Thank you, Lord, for being my redeeming God. Thank you, Jesus. If I could have our ministry teams come forward. Those of you standing, just stand for a moment longer. If I could have ministry teams come forward real quick. Thank mm-hmm. you.